You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So I wanted to get to Matt LaFleur's comments today. I just finished Packernet After Dark. I got a couple hints, and I'm like, I got to do it. However, looking it over, there's way too much to do today. I want to cover some uh, news and notes that are going on couple controversial things that are happening um, as per the usual. Um, and then it's PFF day. And that always takes some time, even though I have picked up the pace on that a little bit. You know, doing press conferences, I've learned, can take like an entire episode where you maybe get through one or two. So we don't have time today. That, that may be a tomorrow thing. But let's go through um, a couple of little interesting nuggets that are out there. I want to look around to the NFC North, more relevant now than ever as, you know, the um, Minnesota Vikings are coming up after that. We have the Chicago Bears, obviously. There's a little bit of a race there. The Vikings trying to get into the playoffs and whatnot. The Bears, obviously, a lot of draft stuff going on, and they seem to be playing better football right now. And then, of course, the Lions, potentially, um, if the Packers do get into the playoffs, will be a very good chance our, our first opponent. So, Good and I good idea to kind of keep an eye on those fine folks. But I want to start with the Bears cuz this is the funniest. We know that there was some drama in the past about Caleb Williams and his dad made some comments about, you know, he'd stay in school or something if it seemed like the team at the top was a team that he didn't want to go to or whatever. Well, right now and and basically the entire year almost that pick seems to be going to the Chicago Bears. Nobody's really thought about that much anymore. It's just assumed that they're going to draft Caleb Williams. Maybe they stay with Justin Fields. Maybe they go Drake May. But it's probably going to be that they draft Caleb Williams, right? Well, some random dude by the name of Spenny tweeted this. Only one option for the Chicago Bears in the 2024 NFL draft. It's not Caleb Williams. We want Justin Fields. The answer is Marvin Harrison Jr. Why does anybody care about that tweet? Because Caleb Williams liked the tweet. Now look, Caleb Williams was um, tagged. So it's entirely possible he saw this and just said, yeah, cool, bro, and liked it. But it's so much funnier to believe that Caleb Williams actually does like this because he really doesn't want to go to the Bears. You know, 
I would be happy if the Bears decided Justin Fields was the guy and they allowed these quarterbacks to walk. And then they go on to a team and end up having great careers. That would be great. What would almost be better, maybe, is if they really, really wanted Caleb Williams. And Caleb just said no. And so they traded away the spot. Somebody else got Caleb. They stuck with Justin. And you have the quarterback that everybody knows you didn't want, while the guy that you did want is playing somewhere else and tearing it up. I would just love that so much. I tell you what, though, it would be scary, especially if I'm Caleb Williams, man, because I know I've got some serious talent, but I want to go somewhere where they can help me to harness it, you know? I need help. I'm not, I'm not going to be stupid enough to think that I'm a finished product and I'm going to come in and be the best quarterback in football. I know that I have strengths and I have weaknesses, and I know that in the NFL, they will have a much better chance of exploiting my weaknesses, and so I need a lot of help from really talented coaches to help me adapt my game to the NFL. And I can't think of a worse place to go if you want to develop yourself as a quarterback than the Chicago Bears. Anyways, that's the Bears news. Vikings news is a little bit more serious and a little bit more in-depth, I guess. Not only did the Vikings lose this past week to the Detroit Lions, well, not only did they lose the game, they lost a bunch of players. This is an article from uh, Inside the Vikings over at Fan Nation slash Sports Illustrated, whatever, parent company of the parent company of the parent company. Injuries piled up for the Vikings during their 30-24 loss against the Lions on Sunday. Four important starters, Jordan Addison, TJ Hawkinson, Makai Blackman, and DJ Wonham, left the game and were unable to return. Addison's injury is an ankle, Hawkinson is a knee. He took a hard, direct shot to the knee on a catch in the third quarter. Wonham was carted off with uh, what the Vikings believe is a quad injury, and Blackman hurt his shoulder. It sounds like Blackman's injury may not be particularly serious, but the other three are undergoing further evaluation, and there's concern that their injuries are significant. Remember, this is our opponent next week. Quote, I do believe so, Kevin O'Connell said when asked if some of the injuries appear serious. I can't confirm any of those, but with two weeks left to go, we've got some really tough guys. We've got some guys that are all trying to battle their way back in there, but I do believe so. I don't know what the heck you're talking about. I guess they're tough and they're trying, but I believe they're serious. It goes on to say these are major, major losses for the Vikings who are on the outside of the playoff picture looking in with two games left against the Packers and Lions. Hawkinson and Addison are two of the top three targets in the passing game. Wonham is having a strong season in a contract year, racking up eight sacks, six pass defenses, and a fumble return for a touchdown. So that'll obviously be something to keep an eye on as we move along, but for a team that I mean, obviously has been devastated with injury, at least insofar as not having a quarterback, and that's becoming sort of an ugly situation in and of itself. Justin Jefferson, you could say, borderline threw the quarterbacks under the bus by uh, basically saying, well, praising Kirk Cousins and um, more or less putting the losses on the quarterbacks. I mean, it's very indirect to say that that's what he's doing. He obviously wasn't. He was saying it just shows how great Kirk Cousins is. But at the end of the day, when you ask him what is what you know what what can you glean from these losses, and then you go to well, yeah, that's what happens when you lose Kirk Cousins. You're putting the loss on the quarterbacks, and I think that's obviously fair. There's an article here talking about that quote where he says it shows the world what type of player Kirk is. Um, it's tough not having eight out there, but it goes on to say the Vikings are three and four since Cousins suffered a season-ending injury late in. Uh, 
with their Week 8 win, Josh Dobbs gave him an initial lift, but he came back to earth in brutal fashion, culminating a 3-0 win over the Las Vegas Raiders two weeks ago. Nick Mullins threw for 411 yards on Sunday against Detroit, but also threw four interceptions. Cousins is a free agent at the end of the season, but he has voiced a desire to return to Minnesota. A big endorsement from his star receiver can't hurt, not to mention how the team has struggled for consistency since he went down. I think the important part here, aside from just kind of throwing a shot, is looking at the real situation. They are three and four. A couple of those wins came when Josh Dobbs came in and there's sort of that artificial spike. The thing that really worried me about Jordan Love in those first couple games, is this just one of those artificial Josh Dobbs spikes or is this real? Well, it's been several, several weeks of pretty consistent play. But aside from those those two fake games from Josh Dobbs, where it looked like he was actually a, a maybe a decent, competent player, which of course he wasn't, you have one win in which you only won because your defense pitched a shutout. You scored three points. So the offense has just not looked good without Kirk Cousins, period. It's bad. In their last five games, they are one and four with their only win coming against the Raiders. They did score 24 points their last two games, but they threw six interceptions in those two games. In fact, they threw, let's see, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13 picks in the last five weeks. And the only game that had zero was the game against the Raiders, believe it or not, where they scored zero, uh, three points. Now, as a Packer fan, that probably should send chills, chills down your spine because it feels as though the worse the quarterback is, the better performance they're about to have. Um, let's do this. Let's transition away from that. It's an early break. I want to come back and I want to talk about some of the drama. This is one of those things where I haven't fully formulated my opinion yet. But by the time the segment's over, I'm going to have a pretty strong opinion. <laughs> I usually think I have a strong opinion, and then as I kind of work my way through it on the podcast, sometimes I change my mind. But if you'd like to support the podcast, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is where you can do such things. Or you can hit me up on Venmo Packernet Podcast. We'll take a break. We'll come back and talk about Jair. Well, kind of just saying and doing whatever he wants. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. 
All right, so Jair made a couple comments. Comments are making their rounds. People have their opinions. Um, I want to start with this. This is a pretty popular clip. This one was posted by Matt Schneidman on Twitter. I will play it in its entirety. It's 17 seconds. How much better does this defense need to play? I mean, 30 points to a team that had only won two games and then scored, scored much and all. Is that worrisome to you? Uh, yeah, it is. But, uh, you know, we just got to play the call. That's, you know, that's call. Okay. So, there's a few things here. Number one, for context, apparently later he says it was a pretty good game plan regarding uh, Green Bay's defense. Also said, I could have been better. Now, first of all, I think those are BS throwaway comments. If, if he's asked, like, listen, he gave you the answer. He just gave you everything you needed to know in that comment. If you have to circle back and ask him about the game plan, it's like, I, I gave you the wink, wink, nod, nod answer. Now you want me to explicitly say something. I'm not going to do that, Jagoff. So, yeah, it's like, so do you think Joe Barry should be fired? No, I think Joe Barry's doing a great job. I'm not going to tell you yes. So let's zoom in on that. Are you concerned about the 30 points given up? Or is it worrisome? Yes, it is, honestly, but we just got to play the call that's called. That is a direct shot at the play calling. There is no two ways to read that. So there's, there's a couple different things here. Number one is the instant reaction from a fan who is not a fan of Joe Barry. And that is, ha ha, you suck, you lost the locker room, and Jair is even calling you out. That's the instant gut reaction. There's a secondary caveat that comes in that is sort of, well, yeah, obviously he would blame Joe Barry, and Joe Barry probably blames him. That doesn't mean anything's authoritative. That's not as interesting, but it's also something that should be mentioned. Here's the other issue, though. Let me play one more clip for you. So were you supposed to be a captain? Because the team announces the three game captains and you were the fourth and you called a toss. What happened there? Oh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's only suiting, you know, I don't think Coach knew I was from Charlotte, you know, so. So you just did that on your own? I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, it was like a, you know, the guys backed me up, you know, so they, they knew I was from here. Did you realize you almost made a big mistake on the call, though? What did I do? Well, you said we want to go on defense. Yeah. Which, in theory, could they could have said, then you're electing to kick to to uh, kick off, which you had lost the opportunity then yeah. to receive in the second half. Yeah, no, I told them that. Uh, I said uh, I want I want our defense to be out there, and they all looked at me like I was crazy. I'm like, I mean, it's pretty simple what I said. Like, I want the defense to be out there. They like, you mean defer? I'm like, yeah, I guess. Okay. Did he, did he say that to you? Yeah, he did. The, the mic was on, and I oh, I, I, well, yeah, he heard you. Hear that, yeah. Oh, really? No, nah, he was just like defer. I was like, yeah. Everybody was like, yeah. Like, everybody was laughing. I'm like, what y'all laughing at? It's pretty obvious what I'm asking for. So, did anyone say anything to you when you got back to the no. sideline? <laughs> Why would they? Um, I'm going to let Mike Wall summarize this. Mike Wall, former Green Bay Packer. Here is what he had to say. And, and he, he actually said this about the last video, not this video, but it applies to both and especially this last one. Here's what he says. Here's the thing. When your big money guys are in the locker room talking down about the plan or the calls, and they're out there making themselves captain, 
you have an authority problem or you're about to have an authority problem. You know, I, I, I am in such a tough spot right now because I, man, oh man. Well, listen, I, I don't need to clarify my position on Matt LaFleur and where I've been on him. It's, it's been repeated a lot and pretty thoroughly. This is so unbelievably and wildly unacceptable. I sat here for several minutes after I heard the clip and thought about how I would respond in this situation. And I probably would be wrong about this. And a lot of people, oh, no, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. I, I, I'm, I'm telling you I would, and I'm telling you that it probably would have been the wrong response. Jair would not have played in this game. I would have had people pulling on me saying, the game's starting, we need you. And I would have been saying, get the F off me. Let somebody else do it for a second. I'm not done. And I would have continued berating, screaming, and swearing at Jair. And essentially it would be, who the F do you think you are? I tell you who the effing captain is on this team. I'm the one that does that. And he walks out there and, and, and decides he's going to be the captain deliberately going against what I say. And his, his justification is, well, the players back me up. I don't give an F what the players think. They don't tell me nothing. They don't tell you nothing. Nothing. I don't give a crap what they think, what you think. Take those effing shoulder pads off now, or I will take them off for you and get out of my sight. You disrespectful piece of garbage. Under no circumstance would I ever, ever allow something like this to happen. And the fact that he says, I went back to the sideline and nobody said anything is shocking to me. And not only that, his attitude is, why would they? Are you kidding me? There is no leadership here. And I l listen, I mean, we, we saw this with Rodgers, and it was always a problem that I had with the situation with Rodgers, is that Rodgers is a big personality, and he's going to tell you how it is. And you need to have a bigger personality, a coach, that's able to tell him to sit the F down and shut your mouth. I don't care how much money you make, how long you've been here. I'm the head coach. You know, again, when, when Rodgers would pipe up in meeting rooms and say, yeah, we're not running that. Well, then I guess somebody else will be running it. Are you going to run it or is Jordan going to run it? Would have been my response. And then I would have cleared the room of everybody except Aaron Rodgers. I would have said that in front of everybody, kicked everybody out of the meeting room, and I would have said, Rodgers, if you ever effing do that again, if you ever contradict or disrespect me in front of my team again, you will not be wearing a Green Bay Packers uniform. End of freaking discussion. Matt LaFleur has no freaking backbone. I, 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 I just, just, I mean, it's, it's shocking to me. We, we, I mean, th this is, this is a, a relatively serious tradition, right? You pick your guys. You pick three players. They walk out to the middle of the field. And, and, and there is a structure to the way that these things happen. And Jair just decides, I'm going to just walk out there. And I'm going to call myself a captain because I'm from this area. And then I'm going to actually call heads or tails. I'm not just going to go stand out there because it would be funny. And, I, and I'll, I'll be quiet. I'm just going to go stand out there because it's funny. But I'm actually going to call it. And then I'm nearly going to screw this entire team because I don't even know how to call this. And then Jair's just going to swag it. Again, with an attitude. 
after he almost screwed the team to be like, look, what, what are you, stupid? You know what I meant. Just do what I said. Defer, whatever. I don't give a crap what you call it. And then I'm going to go strut back to the sideline with the attitude of nobody better say anything to me. And then nobody does say anything. And don't get me wrong. I, I'm, I'm annoyed with Jair. I am. But this isn't, in my mind, this isn't a Jair issue. If there's no structure, things like this are going to happen. If there's no discipline, if there's no large um, presence, if there's no authority figure, this is going to happen no matter what. And I, again, I know that's a lame excuse for Jair, and it is unacceptable the way that he's acting. This is childish behavior. This is childish, entitled behavior. And again, Devondre being a little baby about stuff. I'm, I'm really getting sick of it. But the only reason it's spilling out to us is because there's nobody in there reining it in. I, I, hate, I hate this. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I think the fan base is off their freaking rocker when they, th- when they believe that we can just go hire somebody else and the play calling won't take a dip. You're wrong. You're wrong. The guy that developed Jordan Love, the guy that made this offense a top 10 offense with zero talent. I'm telling you right now, the vast majority of people that we go out and find to call an offense are going to be significantly worse than this. I believe that. To my core, I believe that. But we don't have an authority figure in this locker room. And I don't know if a team can function with a person like Matt LaFleur at the top. He is weak and spineless. But what should he have done? Oh, I don't know. Take a swing at him. There should have been video all over the networks all day long. I, 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 I mean, I should have been so confused sitting there on Christmas watching as four coaches are having to restrain Matt LaFleur as he's trying to get to Jair Alexander. And I'm sitting there going, what is going on? That's what should have happened. I mean, l- 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 listen, there are, there, there's no doubt. I, I know that, that people are not going to buy into this, but I'm telling you, there are parallels between the way that this works And the way that prison works, if somebody comes in and steals a French fry off your tray and walks away and you don't do anything about it, you are a biatch. And guess what? Now everybody saw that and everybody knows. And you know what they do? They don't just simply go, oh, that's a nice guy. We don't have to worry about him. He won't be any threat to me, so I don't have to worry about him. No, they they start circling him like freaking hyenas, like sharks. They start picking at him. They start testing the boundaries. How far can I go? How far can I push? And they've so far found no resistance, up to and including walking out to the middle of the field, declaring yourself a captain, deciding I'm going to call the play, I'm nearly going to screw this team, and then I'm going to walk back to the sideline, and nobody did anything. Nobody said anything to me. So then I'm thinking, okay, look, maybe maybe Matt LaFleur didn't know, and he's busy, and like he didn't find out until after. And so I look at it, I'm like, all right, what, what do we got going on here? And I'm seeing articles. Matt LaFleur wasn't happy with Jair Alexander's coin toss blunder. I see Matt LaFleur gets brutally honest on Jair Alexander's big mistake. Here's what Matt LaFleur had to say. You ready? Some pretty, some pretty tough words for Jair. He says, that was a big mistake, Packers coach uh, Matt LaFleur said of Jair Alexander's call. Quote, That's something you review with the guys before they go out there every time. Hey, we win the toss, we're going to defer. Excuse me? Wait, 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 wait. Just, 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 let's, hold on. So I want to get this clear. You actually have no issue with players just deciding, I'm the captain, 
I'm going to run out there. I'm going to do whatever I want. So you put together a game plan. You put together a plan. You, you say who the captain is. You do all this stuff. And your players say, ah, screw that guy. And I'm going to go run out there. I'm going to do whatever I want. That part of it's fine. The part that you didn't like is where he didn't say the word defer. And, and, and we just need to be more proactive and making sure our guys understand. Yeah, it's hard to be proactive when you don't know what players are going to decide that they're going to do whatever the hell they want. Who, who, who should you tell? I guess you just got to tell the whole team, hey, guys, just so you know, when we win the toss, we're going to defer, okay? I'm just telling everybody because I'm not sure which one of you is going to decide that you're a captain today because you're all captains in my heart. Maybe we should all go out and hold hands in the middle of the field. Again, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. It's it just, I just, I just think that this team knows they can walk all over them. And I'll be honest, I think this is a team that is hungering for discipline. I think they want it. I think Aaron Rodgers wanted it. I do. I genuinely think he wanted somebody to push back on him. I think Jair wants somebody to push back on him. I, I don't think that they like that they feel like they're just going to school somewhere, like they're in college and they, they show up to meetings and it's like they go to their lecture hall and they're taught things and they go somewhere else. And just like in college, if you don't show up to class, they don't give a crap. They don't call you up and say, hey, where are you? They don't call your mommy to try to, nothing. They're just like, eh, if you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. There's an authority issue here. Oh, it's not that big of a deal. It's just a coin toss. That, that you, you're so not understanding the point here. And this is exactly why we have a problem because of, of that sort of thinking. Well, this it, it, in and of itself is not that big of a deal. So I don't want to make it a big deal. Oh, but you're not seeing the big picture here. There is a bigger, larger picture behind all this. I've talked a lot about Bill Belichick and the discipline that's out there. Can you even freaking fathom somebody just deciding, I'm just going to go walk out there. I don't care what Bill Belichick says. And when he goes back to the sideline after making a mistake, you think Bill Belichick wouldn't have said anything? And then for him to have the attitude of, why would somebody say something? Absolutely. I, I mean, listen, <laughs> whatever, man. I, I just, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't. I don't. Maybe we should just, maybe we should fire Matt LaFleur. Maybe they should just fire both of them. I hate to be in this position. We probably shouldn't. We should probably just power on. Maybe you get a, a, a freaking hard-nosed defensive coordinator that um, can kind of clean up that side to begin with, because I don't think many guys on the offense are really taking this approach. Seems like it's more the high-priced superstar defenders that are kind of going this route, especially now that, like, you know, Bakhtiari and Rodgers are not really, you know, apart right now. I mean, Rodgers is gone. Bakhtiari's on IR. You don't have those high-priced superstars on offense, really, aside from Aaron Jones, who obviously is able to self-regulate like a grown-up. He grew up in a military family and understands respect and discipline, and he understands that there is a hierarchy here, and he understands that his role is a subordinate, and his, his duty is to respect and honor his coaches as well as his fellow players. And some of these guys, they don't get that. They don't know that. They don't respect these things. And so their, their general idea is, I don't respect you as a human being, so I'm going to walk all over you. And I think that's where we're at. I don't think, I know Aaron Rodgers didn't respect Matt LaFleur. And I didn't really care about that because Rodgers doesn't respect a lot of people. But now I'm just starting to get the impression that these guys are just, they're ticked off. And, you know, listen, if, if, if they're winning and everything's great, like, of course they'll buy in. Like, they'll, they'll, they'll get in line because they want to be in line. Not because of you. It's because this is where I want to stand. But if things are bad, there, there's nothing that's going to keep me from wandering. 
Why wouldn't I go over there? I feel like going over there. What are you going to do? You don't control me. You don't tell me what to do. I want to go over there. I'm going to go over there. I have, I have no fear of reprisal. I don't, I don't stay in line because of my respect of you or your role or your title. There's nothing keeping me here. There's nothing keeping me in line. There's nothing from, that's keeping me from going on social media and blasting you. There's nothing that's keeping me from directly telling the media that, hey, yeah, we gave up 30. But at the end of the day, all I could do is play the play that's called. And again, I like that because I don't like Joe Barry, and I think he's probably right. I think he's frustrated that the defensive coordinator's garbage. I think he's frustrated that he gets thrown under the bus despite the fact that he's injured. I think he's frustrated. I don't agree with the way in which he's acting out. I don't agree with it. I don't like it. But I also think that this whole thing is avoidable. I don't think there needs to be acting out because I don't think we need to have a piece of garbage defensive coordinator that sucks at his job. I don't think we need to have a spineless head coach that has no ability to keep these guys in line. Oh, I just wish the guy could just freaking sack up. I like him. I like Matt. I want him to be here. I love the offense. I love what we're building. Everything is it's like if we could just freaking hang on. If we could just hang on and stick together and not unravel and, and, you know, we get a defensive coordinator. I mean, we could be a good team. We got a good thing here. But again, we got guys just doing whatever they want and saying whatever they want, and it's getting worse every single week. And, and essentially, there's, there's no repercussions. And you can see Jair just going, what are they going to do? And the answer is nothing. And everybody else is watching it and seeing it. If you think Devondre Campbell and Jair are the only two that are in agreement, the only two that are maybe... Um, sort of lashing out in their own ways, rebelling in their own ways, you're out of your mind. This is bleeding into the rest of the guys, and I'm sure it's bleeding over into the offense to some capacity. I mean, you want to know why the team just randomly implodes some weeks? There's no discipline here. For all I know, the team has these random implosions because Jair threw a party at his house two days before and everybody's hung over. They weren't preparing. They were preparing to get hammered and go to a party out on the lake somewhere. And why not? We've seen that these players have no ability to self-regulate, at least some of them, and, and have the attitude of, if I don't respect you, then screw you. We've seen that the coaches have no ability or spine to step in and say, if you do, there will be consequences. This will not be tolerated. I'm so sick of hearing about the standard. There is no standard, Matt. You set the standard. There isn't some magical Green Bay standard. There isn't some magical thing that happens when you step inside the walls and it's like, dude, this is, there's like a standard now. No, you are the one responsible for maintaining the standard that was set by Vince Lombardi. You're the one that does it, and I don't think he knows that. Vince Lombardi would have dragged Jair off the field where Tucker Kraft got hit the other week, if you catch what I'm saying. This locker room isn't just disgruntled. It's one thing to be disgruntled. It's one thing to be like, they have a bad attitude because they're losing. And, and at the end of the day, again, winning does solve everything. If they start winning, this will get fixed. But it's, it's somewhat superficial. It's kind of like, you know, if you have this, I don't know, this little toy, and it's got a door on it, but it's broken. Well, if it's upright, the door falls off. Or if it's, you know, facing downward, the door falls off. But if you flip it up and place the door on top, well, thanks to the wonders of gravity, 
it will give the appearance of working because it'll rest in a closed position, which is what we want. And it can work that way so long as it stays that way. But it's artificial. It's not fixed. It's still broken. It just appears fixed so long as it doesn't move. Or in this case, so long as you don't have any rough patches or losses or squabbles in the locker room or anything. At the end of the day, I'm looking at this going, yeah, I mean, cool, as long as we can keep it like that, I guess it works. We actually had a, a cabinet door in our kitchen that's kind of like that. The One of the little things broke out of the door, and it's like, well, if you slide it in there, it just keeps popping off, so let's just keep the door closed. You know, if you don't open it, it can't pop off and annoy me again. But at the end of the day, what do you have to do? You have to fix it. And it's like, I'm... I'm I don't want to do this because of like six words that were said with two weeks left in the season with an offense that ranks ninth via, you know, DVOA with a promising future, with a GM that's able to find talent with the potential that we can get a defensive coordinator and be a Super Bowl caliber team. I don't want to freaking sit here and say Matt LaFleur needs to be fired. I don't want to say that because I think that we can just flip the damn thing upright and set the door on it and everything will be fine. But there's just a larger piece of me that's looking at it going, it's not fixed. It's broken. Like the, the freaking door is just hanging off, dude. It's like, just shut up, man. It'll be fine. It works well. Like everything else works. You know, it plays music and it's got lights that flash and like you can still put stuff inside the little dresser drawer and like it does all the great things that you want it to do you just gotta lay it down or you know if you set it up just like don't bump it because the door will fall off you know you just got to be careful with that door but i don't want to replace the door the analogy kind of breaks down insofar as you replace the door it's not going to ruin the whole freaking dresser thing or whatever this toy is but i don't i I guess i'm just stuck i'm I'm just stuck i don't know what to do I, i i see this as a major issue and again it's getting worse every week you know, in a vacuum, in one little thing, it's not that big of a deal. But again, there's there's certain comments like, you know, no, why, you know, again, the players had my back, so who cares? That, to me, is not a great comment. Um, did anybody say anything to you when you went to back to the sideline? No, why would they? Oh, I don't know. It's just two more weeks. Let's just do the two last weeks. We got to just get through these two weeks, man. And then... And then we can move on from Joe Barry and we can hire somebody else and we can get excited about it. And we can talk about how good the offense is and how great, the how just magical the play calling is and how much better the defense is going to get. And the players are going to be better because they're going to be invested because it's just going to be so, it's just going to be a magical, wonderful experience. And we can just, we can just say it over and over and get excited about it. We just got two weeks, but I'm not, I'm, I don't like this at all, man. Here's 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 final thought. There's no doubt that the problems are not 100% Joe Barry. That some of this has to do with just poor play by defensive players. I don't know to what degree it's one versus the other, but I, I think to have this level of implosion, you have a bad defensive coordinator and also players not playing very well. It has to be that combination and consistently. My fear is the the players have sort of given up. You know, granted. The assumption is we hire somebody else, we give them the offseason to cool off, we, we get that sort of, that 2024 excitement and vigor that things are going to be different. And the players will come out, they'll play hot, and everything will be fine. But what if that's not the case? What if that doesn't happen? What if it's not just a Joe Barry issue? What if Matt LaFleur sets the tone, and the tone is, 
you know, like, <laughs> imagine just from a parenting standpoint, you got sort of a, a mom and a dad there, and they're both very passive, and they, they never discipline their kids, they don't yell at their kids, they might occasionally instruct their children, please, Timmy, set that back, please, Timmy, Timmy, no, Timmy, okay, well, I, I, that's fair enough, but please, please don't do that, okay? We don't raise our voices. We certainly would never spank our children. And uh, we just believe in constructive uh, comments or whatever. I don't know how all that works. The parents end up getting a divorce. The mom keeps the kids. It's not a super relevant part of the story, aside from the, the next part. And then they get remarried. The dad, the new dad comes into the picture, and mom sets the tone on how we discipline the children. In this analogy, the mom is Matt LaFleur, not going to lie, kind of appropriate, and the dad would be the defensive coordinator, the new guy that comes in. The head coach sets the tone on how we do things here. Now, maybe he'll allow the defensive coordinator to rant and rave and scream and yell and all kinds of stuff. I don't know. Maybe. Or maybe mommy will look at the new stepdaddy and say, no, 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 we don't use those words. We don't raise our voice at the children. Please don't do that to my children. We don't do that here. And so they're perfectly willing and able, uh, allowed to instruct and teach and try to explain how the defense works. But there will be no harsh language type stuff. Or maybe if it's not explicit, it's just sort of implied. And the defensive coordinator comes in and tries to follow suit with the style of coaching that is taking place in the building. I don't know. I'm just running through hypotheticals that have me nervous. We've been saying since day one, I've been saying since day one, that Matt LaFleur is very good at some things and not very good at others. And I've largely ignored some of the negatives because I really, really, really like the category that the positives are in. And I felt as though maybe the other things could be just disregarded if we could just win enough games. And I still think that that's possible. But again, we're dealing with the broken door situation. Anyways, again, um, these are just my current thoughts. We'll see how it goes as time goes on. Anyways, why don't we take a break? We'll take a look at PFF. We'll be right back. All right. Overall, the team sucked. Um... (laughs) It was trash. So the offense had four players with good grades. We could extrapolate that out to about five. Dontavian Wicks had a 68.3. Let's just go ahead and say he had a good day. The other four, Romeo Dobbs, 71.5. Jordan Love, 77.4. Bo Melton, 79. And Aaron Jones, 81.4. You'll love to see it. The problem is there's 19 players And there were only four others that graded out as average. Tucker Craft, Patrick Taylor, Josiah DeGuara, and Royce freaking Newman, who played one snap. Everybody else is either below average, bad, or just plain sucks hardcore. Below average. And by the way, I I had made a comment. I was wrong about a few things like McDuffie, apparently, according to PFF. But I was right in my assessment that the offensive line just did not look good. I felt like, although early things were good, the run blocking just fell apart at the end. And the pass blocking just sucked. Like, Jordan was constantly under pressure in this game. Is how it felt. Here's the below average. Elton Jenkins, A.J. Dillon, Malik Heath, and John Runyon. It's two offensive linemen. Here's the bad. Ben Sims, Zach Tom, Sean Ryan, Josh Myers, Rashid Walker. And then the awful would be Samori Ture. So, 
Bad, we're talking 40 grades. Samori Ture, 30. 30. Just for reference, it's, it's not impossible, or uncommon even, to, uh, to have a game in which there just aren't really any people in the 40s, and if there are, it might be just one or two. We had six that were 40s or lower. So that's not great for the offense at all. And again, you talk about overcoming for Jordan Love. What exactly did he have to work with? Fortunately, Aaron Jones played well. Uh, you know, Bo Melton and whatnot, they really stepped up, which is important because nobody else did. The entire offensive line was terrible. Jordan Love, 60.7% completion rate, 219 yards, 7.8 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, no picks. 77.4 overall grade, 72.3 passing grade, 74.5 rushing grade, 78.2 fumble grade, 3.2% for big-time throws, zero turnover-worthy plays, 9.5 was his average depth of target, 74.1 was his adjusted completion percentage because there were three drops in this game, 2.89 seconds was his time to throw, 109.1 passer rating uh, in this game. He had a... Um, well, and, and according to the numbers, he actually was very rarely under pressure. So I guess I was mistaken. Uh, but he had an 82-grade while kept clean, 53-grade under pressure. They had him down as just under pressure five times in this game. I don't know. Maybe he was just hurried, although a hurry is still a pressure. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm seeing things that don't exist. And again, apparently the offensive line was terrible despite being just wonderful pass blockers. I don't know what's going on. Rushing, again, not much to glean from here. 83.6 for Aaron Jones. Uh, Jordan Love had a 74.5. A.J. Dillon with a 57.1 rushing grade. He ran for 1.7 yards per attempt. Patrick Taylor was 1.3 yards per attempt with a 56.3 grade. Aaron Jones, 6 yards per attempt. And then we get down to the blocking. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, the blocking. Rashid Walker had a 40.6 PFF grade, 57 pass blocking, and 38 run blocking. Elton Jenkins, 83.4 pass blocking. Love it, freaking love it. 50 run blocking. Could we do a little better with that, Elton? I love the pass blocking. I love that. That's awesome. Can we do a little better? Josh Myers, who just is begging to be taken out to the freaking woodshed. 29.7 pass blocking grade. And again, I don't know how that happened, but yet there's only one pressure and Jordan Love was never under pressure. What could he have possibly done wrong? It's like he just got beat, but what, Jordan was like on the move or something? I don't have any idea. I just have to go back and watch for myself. 29.7 pass blocking, 44.5 run blocking. Horrific. Sean Ryan who played 33 snaps along with John Runyon's 33 snaps. Um, neither of them has any aspiration of being the right guard of the future. Sean Ryan had a 60.3 pass blocking grade, which is not good enough, and a 43 run blocking grade. Well done. John Runyon, another guy that's just begging to be taken out back, 23 pass blocking grade. This is the worst this might be the best pass blocking week ever, statistically, for Jordan Love. But this is the worst pass blocking graded performance of the offensive line of the season. So I don't know how that makes any freaking sense. I'm I'm going to reach out to PFF and be like, what that what that what are you talking about? 
60.4 run blocking grade. Probably one of his best, but I don't care. And then Zach Tom having the worst, you know, and, and again, with the freaking implosions, like all the, all the focus is on the defense, and rightly so. But here we go with the implosions. The offensive line didn't show up today. Just didn't show up. It, it, it's, it's, it's a regular, especially on the road. They go on the road, they don't show up. What, what are your legs cramping up in, on the freaking plane ride? Are we getting coach seats and they should be getting first class so they can stretch their legs out? Explain this to me like I'm four freaking years old. Why is it we go on the road and the offensive line is like, nah, none of us want to play? It, it, l- listen, it's very odd to me that they all seem to implode at the same time. They all have good games and then good games and then good games and then all five suck. That's weird. Is this like back in the day where the offensive line used to play board games together? So this group, they get together, they play board games till two o'clock in the morning. They're like, oh shoot, we got a game. And then they're tired and they didn't get any sleep. Like what, what are we doing here? 46 pass blocking grade for Zach Tom, 44.8 run blocking grade. By far his worst game of the season. By far his worst pass blocking game of the season. Second worst run blocking game of the season. I, I just, I, I mean... <laughs> Aside from his 43.6 run blocking in week two, which was a completely weird thing, he, he has not had a single game run blocking or pass blocking that even slightly resembles these. Is this like a little rebellion? You guys getting together and like, let's just stick it to him. Let's just, do, do you hate Jordan Love? Is that what it is? Is this one of those things where we kind of let him through to kind of teach him a lesson or something? Like what, 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 what are we doing? It's just frustrating. And, and, and it's, it's one of those things where it's, you know, when you see it, you can't unsee it. I don't want to sit here and just hammer on the coaching and, and Matt LaFleur over and over and over again because I've already made my point on that. But that's what this is. And it's no different than, than hammering Joe Barry about the defense where it's like it, it doesn't matter if the players just are, are not doing what I'm telling them to do. It's a question of why. And I understand sometimes, you know, if, if Jordan airmails a pass, that's not a lack of coaching. He knew exactly what to do. He tried to do the thing and failed, right? Or if a, if a player plays it, you know, well and, and just misses a tackle. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what, what, I don't know. 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 <sighs> Defense. Three players with good grades. Preston Smith, 70.3. Lucas Van Ness, 71. Carl Brooks, 80. Love to see it for Carl Brooks. Well done. Lucas Van Ness surprised me. Um, also surprising. Isaiah McDuffie. We'll get to that, though. Uh, but those are the only three. After that, we got Average, Colby Wooden, Jonathan Owens, Kingsley and Igbare, Kenny Clark, Carrington Valentine, Jair Alexander, and Rudy Ford. Um, below Average, Quay Walker, Eric Stokes, TJ Slayton, uh, our buddy Rashawn Gary, who refuses to play well since he got his contract. I just I want to throw up. Keyshawn Nixon, 51.4. And then we have the bad, Isaiah McDuffie, Anthony Johnson, and Devontae Wyatt. Looking at run defense, two guys that graded out well, Lucas Van Ness and Quay Walker. You could kind of add Eric Stokes in that mix. The bad, you've got um, Wyatt, Keyshawn, and Jair. Tackling, I'll just go with the bad here. Jair, Rashawn, Kingsley, Anthony Johnson, Devontae Wyatt, TJ Slayton. Pass rush, we've got three good grades, Isaiah McDuffie, Carl Brooks, and Quay Walker. 
Um, none of them really pass rushers aside from Carl Brooks, but he's such a down the depth chart guy. He didn't get a lot of opportunities, but we'll leave it at that. And then coverage. The highest graded was Jair with a 68.5. We'll call it a borderline 70. His his grade was lower because his run defense was a 35 and his tackling was a 39. But his coverage was a border, borderline 70. So, I mean, that's forgivable. Although the stats weren't super fantastic either. The uh, below average, Eric Stokes with a 55. Keyshawn Nixon, 53. Then you got bad and real bad. Anthony Johnson, 47. Quay Walker, 40. Isaiah McDuffie, 37. So that was his issue. I mean, we all like the run defense and everything. Isaiah McDuffie had a 68th run defense grade, an 80 tackling grade, and even a 75 pass rush grade. The only reason his, his grade overall was low is because of coverage, which is fair because he did most of his work in coverage. He had 16 snaps in run defense, six as a pass rusher, and 28 in coverage. So... Fair enough, but also still feels slightly vindicated. Pressures. We had uh, eight different people generating pressures for 18 total pressures. The most pressures came from Preston Smith. Five pressures, 28 attempts, and two sacks. That is a fantastic day. Rashawn Gary had three pressures and zero sacks on 31 attempts. That's uh, bullcrap, at least for Rashawn Gary it is. Kenny Clark, three pressures, 36 attempts. That's not good at all. No sacks. Um, Lucas Van Ness, two pressures on eight attempts. That's fantastic. Carl Brooks, two pressures on 15 attempts, which is solid. Quay Walker had a pressure on nine attempts, including a sack. And then Kingsley and Wyatt each had a pressure. Kingsley had 16 attempts. Wyatt had 20. Mm, Those are not, they're fine. T.J. Slayton also had 13 attempts. He had zero pressures. Anthony Johnson was the missed tackle machine. Rashawn Gary, Jair, T.J. Slayton, Devontae Wyatt, Kingsley, and Igbare each missed one tackle. Anthony Johnson missed three tackles. Jair was the only guy with a forced fumble. As far as coverage, uh, the most targeted was Jonathan Owens and Eric Stokes. Uh, Jonathan Owens, six targets, two receptions for 15 yards and a pass breakup. Ultimately, not a bad day at all. Eric Stokes, six targets, four receptions, 45 yards, but two touchdowns, which is the biggest issue, obviously. Um, You erase the touchdowns, it's a great day, but with it, it's awful. Isaiah McDuffie, five targets, three receptions, 45 yards. That's eh. Jair Alexander, five targets, five receptions, 79 yards, 118.8 passer rating when targeted. I mean, look, man... um, it's possible you were put in, in inopportune situations. I don't know. But at the end of the day, for a lockdown corner, if you're going to be targeted five times, which feels a little high for a guy, you know, I mean, we're talking premier corners. And I know you're hurt. I get it. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just talking about expectations. Five might be slightly high. But to give up five for five is not good. You should at least stop them one time. And then to give up 79 yards, which is the most kind of by a lot. Keyshawn did give up 67, but that's it. That's the only one that's even close. That's not fantastic. Anthony Johnson, four targets, three receptions, 25 yards. Keyshawn Nixon, four targets, four receptions, 67 yards. Quay Walker, two targets, two receptions, um, 36 yards. Nobody else was really in coverage any significant amount and didn't get targeted. 
the most would be Rudy Ford, seven snaps and no targets. So only two touchdowns. Both of them came by way of Eric Stokes. Only one pass breakup, and it was Jonathan Owens. The coverage is just not there. There's no interceptions. There's no pass breakups. There's just no coverage. There are also uh, four penalties in this game on the defense. Isaiah McDuffie had one. Anthony Johnson had one. And Devontae Wyatt had two. Then on special teams, we didn't have a single person grayed out in the 70s or higher, which you could say is disappointing. Uh, the two that were kind of good, Corey Ballantyne, 60, 68. Eric Wilson with a 69. I love seeing Eric Wilson up near the top. I would just like for the top to be slightly higher. Bad, uh, Matt Orzich. You love seeing the old freaking long snapper down at the bottom again. Just a classic Packers thing. Benny Sapp with a 40.7. Lucas Van Ness with a 34. And I think that was a penalty involved, which is probably why. Rudy Ford, 32.3. So there you go. Not my favorite thing in the world. Um, again, the offense, the, the the biggest issue I have with the, it's like, I want to sit here and be like, you know, the offense, I can cut them some slack because they're young and, and, and they're learning. But it's like, no, no, no. The young guys who are learning were great. Corey Ballantyne was awesome. You know, Tucker Craft didn't get the highest grade in the world, but he was in the 60s and he was great. He was perfectly fine. He was a big contributor. Um, uh, I, 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 Romeo, Romeo graded out perfectly fine. Like he had a really high grade. Like they were fine. The guys that really screwed us were the offensive linemen. Guys like Elton Jenkins, who are not completely brand new to the world and don't know what's going on. It's just, <sighs> there's two weeks left, man. Just hang in there. Don't, don't unravel. Come on, man. You got this. Two weeks. Two weeks. Hold strong. Don't give in to the temptation. Don't go to the dark side. Anyways, I'm going to go. You guys have a good rest of your day, night, whatever. Have a good one. Bye-bye.